And so we contend to, to follow this line of thought. And so go with me today, and I pray that the Lord will just help you to, to uh, receive something that will encourage your heart. I want to go first to the Old Testament, the book of Psalms, the 24th chapter of the book of Psalms, and uh, read a, a setting that you've heard me talk about before, I'm sure. <clears throat> the 24th uh, Psalm and the 7th verse. Lift up your head, O ye gates, and be lifted up, and lift ye up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. And the second time in the ninth verse, lift up your head, O ye gates. Lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Selah. If you go with me to the New Testament now, I want to read out of the book of John, the 18th chapter, and take a verse here from the mouth of Pontius Pilate. John, the 18th chapter, and the 37th verse. Pontius Pilate is speaking with Jesus, questioning him. And then ask him this question in verse 37. Then Pilate said to him, Are you really a king? Are you really a king? And Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I have been born. and For this cause I have come into the world that I might witness to the truth. I want to go back to the book of Luke and take another uh, setting here. And uh, is the 23rd chapter and the 42nd verse. The thief on the cross, you all know this very, very well. And he said to Jesus, Lord, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we ask you now, at the revelation of your word, that you would show us a thing, Lord, that you would reveal something to us. Lord, we need to know you. We need, Lord, a knowledge and understanding. And I pray this morning, God, that you'd help us and touch us. Lord, that we would draw closer. I, my intention in preaching this morning is that we would draw up close to you, Lord. That we would understand you, know you, even a little more, even a little better. We pray, God, you just overshadow this, anoint me, anoint the hearers. And to your glory, we pray it. Amen. Everyone said amen. Amen, amen. In John 12, uh, there is a story there that we have uh, spoke on many times. And you, some of the brothers have also talked about this. 
In John 12, it said that Jesus is coming toward the last of his ministry. He goes to the house of, of Lazarus and Mary and Martha. They are um, brother and sisters and comes to this house just before his descent. It looks like to me that just before his descent into Jerusalem on the donkey and they cry, uh, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he, the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Just before this, he goes to their house and there is having a time of dinner and fellowship with them. Lazarus was his friend. And I do thank the Lord that he condoned that we should sit together and eat dinner. I love eating dinner. And so this is something the Lord did, and, and I think it's a good practice for us. He gets seated in the house and begins to, to talk, begins to teach. Mary, the, the sister of Martha, and Lazarus are both sitting with Jesus, and it seems like in another room. I don't know the house situation, but... It seems like they are in another place, and Martha is working to fix dinner. She's in there cooking and slaving, and now uh, if we look at the primitive uh, tools that they had to cook with, and their stove was, you know, maybe an open fire. I don't know what kind of pots and pans they had. I don't know who was going out and getting the water from the well. Uh, it was a process to cook dinner. It wasn't just like, you know, hey, Jesus, I'm going to pop you in. And uh, I do this for my dad sometimes. In six minutes, Dad, when you hear the buzzer, dinner's on. That's a TV dinner. But she's going through the rigmarole of all the fixings. She is serving the Lord. And the Lord kind of just brought this to me to share with you this morning as we get ready to, to preach. She's doing a good thing. It's a right thing. Serving the Lord is a whole dedication that God, He blesses our service. But Mary is doing something else. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus. She's not serving the Lord. She's not ministering to the Lord. She's being ministered to. She's receiving understanding. She's receiving wisdom of the Lord. She's getting to know the Lord better, sitting at his feet. You'll always know the Lord better sitting at his feet than you will do in service. And I believe in service, and the Lord believes in service. In fact, all of the apostles, they start their epistles with Paul, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he recognizes who he is. He's a servant. And he does service to the Lord and service to the kingdom. But now Martha comes in to Jesus and, and kind of interrupts the session and says, Lord, my sister Mary is in here doing nothing, and I'm doing all the work. Will you please ask her to go in and help me fix dinner? Will you ask her to rise up from receiving at the feet of the Lord to service. Will you, will you ask, ask her to do that? And Jesus said an interesting thing. I don't think we can, you know, tear this apart and say that sitting at the feet of Jesus is the only thing that we do because service is needed in our life. 
But sitting at the feet of Jesus is receiving knowledge of him. And let me tell you this. If you don't get that, then forget about serving. Because you don't understand the one that you're serving. I mean, strapping on the, the plastic wristband, you know, what would Jesus do? That's just not enough. And Mary understands that she has a need in her life to understand this Lord and Savior. And she's sitting there listening to what he's saying and just absorbing every word. And now the Lord says she has chosen a good thing. This is a good thing. This is a good part. In other words, there's parts in the kingdom of God. There are things that we do in part. One of them is service. We do service to the Lord. But another part of that is that we sit before the Lord and we learn of him. If we don't learn of him, then our service isn't going to be adequate. And so, no, I will not get her up from learning of the Lord and send her to do service. She needs to sit here a bit and hear of the Lord. And then I thought, Lord, on a Sunday morning, here I am. I'm getting up, and I'm the one who's doing the service. I'm the one who has studied. I'm the one who is preaching. I'm the one who is laboring, and I'm doing service before the Lord, and it's called ministry, and, and it's not easy. It's not something that, that uh, doesn't take a lot of work. And like Martha, she's you're cumbered about with many, many things here, Martha, and only one thing is really important. So I say to you this morning that it isn't so important what I'm doing it's so important that you're receiving from the voice of the Lord, that you are receiving out of the word of the Lord, that you are sitting at his feet and you're learning knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is where a lot of churches and places have missed. You'll learn a lot of things in church. You'll learn a lot of stuff. You'll learn a lot of protocol. You'll learn a lot about living and serving, but they don't take you to the feet of Jesus because really unless you become close to him, your service isn't going to be adequate. Can everybody say amen? And so as we preach this morning, and I'm not pretending to be the Lord up here, but I do have his words in front of me. And so I'm going to preach his words. And not in place of him, but just, just as he would stir my heart to do so. Would you receive this morning? And so sit at the feet of the Lord. It's not sleep time. We sleep at home. It's not time to think about work. We'll do that at home. It's time to sit at the feet of the Lord. And so I ask you just to receive. The only thing you have to do this morning is just receive. The question of who Jesus really is, it lies before the preachers of every generation. We can go a different route. We can preach other things, try and accomplish bigger, greater uh, congregations and church buildings and and just make it look great and even get on TV, but this really isn't the answer that the Lord expects from his preachers. But what he expects from his preachers is to really show under the light that they have and the anointing that they have, they really show who Jesus is. This is the answer for every church generation. 
It's not a new thing. God's not doing a new thing. He's doing all things in Christ. He's always done all things in Christ, and he's not changing that format. Now, we might change a little bit how we conduct a service, but, but it really all goes back to the teaching of Jesus Christ. Church as usual is not going to bond us to the Lord and Savior. It will not bring his followers and Christ himself together. Church as usual is entertainment for the most part. It's to make you feel better. And if we can make you feel good, you'll leave, you'll come back next Sunday, and you'll have some money with you. But that is not what's going to bring you close to Jesus Christ. At Antioch, they first called them Christians. And don't make any mistake about it. They didn't have church buildings and, and that kind of stuff. What they had was the gospel, and what they had to present was Jesus Christ to the lost and the dying so that they would become followers of Jesus Christ. Exposing his entity and character in clarity, it does something for people. It either activates faith and acceptance or it activates resistance, unbelief, and rejection. And so I'm not afraid here this morning to preach the Lord Jesus Christ because like I said last week, faith cometh out of hearing a word of Christ. And so we give you a word of Christ, and if you don't like it and you don't accept it, that's completely up to you, but you have the opportunity to accept it, to faith, to build in your life, Jesus to become so close to you and you close to him that one day you can say, I am in Christ, and Christ is in me. This is the hope. So many people are following another Jesus, and I hate I hate to say it because this seems mean. It seems, seems like we're the only ones that are right. And I don't want to put it, paint that picture that, that we're the only people that are right. No, absolutely not. But let me tell you who is right and who is wrong. Those who are following to make a relationship to understand Jesus Christ, who he is, and who he is in Scripture, those are the ones that's right. Those that are looking for another Jesus. They don't want what the Scripture says about him. They don't want his character. They don't want his identity. Those people happen to be following, like Paul said in Galatians 4, another Jesus. He came to the church Galatians. He said, why have you followed another Jesus? He said, I laid down to you the tenets of faith. I laid down to you the gospel. And you did run well, but suddenly those have come in to bring you another Jesus. And the word another there is a different Jesus. So it is imperative that we follow the right Jesus. My friend, Brother Mike Cox, and I told this before, so if you've heard it, you can chuckle again. But he said that a man, a preacher, or I guess that he knew, preached a sermon, something like what I'm preaching this morning. And at the end of the service, uh, a lady came to him. They were shaking hands and leaving. And uh, she had an argument with what he had portrayed as being Jesus and said that my Jesus is not like that. My Jesus doesn't feel that way. My Jesus doesn't act that way. That's not my Jesus. And finally, the brother had taken it long enough, and he said, Sister, I think I've got it figured out. 
your Jesus is my devil. So we earnestly strive to reveal Yeshua. And where do we reveal him from? We reveal him from the pages of this self-manifesting book spoken by the mouth and the word of God, anointed, given to holy prophets, given to holy apostles, written down as inspiration from God. I believe that all Scripture is inspired of God. Can you say amen? That's what Paul says about the holy writ of God, that all of it is inspired. And I know that, you know, there's some things in New Testament that may not actually uh, be to us. Something may be written to the church at Corinth in particular. Uh, there may be names in there that don't belong to us. There are other people in other faces. There, there are times when Paul just wrote things like, bring me my coat. I'm cold. I need my coat. That's not something that's inspired of God. But when it comes to doctrine, when it comes to understanding, when it comes to the revelation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, it is found within the pages of this book. It's not found within the experience of someone who was on an LSD trip and saw Jesus. All revelation doesn't come that way. Revelation comes by the Word of God. So, the key, the key to the mystery of God, Colossians 2, 2, the mystery of God, even of Father and of Christ, listen to this, in which all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. God's things are hidden, they need to be revealed. The world's things are revealed and they need to be hidden. But God's things, you're going to dig at it. It's not just going to fall in your lap. You're not going to get lucky in this thing. Well, what's going to happen is you're going to dig. Because it's going to be those that seek that are going to find. Say amen. It's those that knock, the door shall be open unto them. It's not just the people who are passing by. And the disciples asked the Lord, why do you speak in parables? And he said, the reason why I speak in parables is so that when they see, they will not see. And when they hear, they will not hear. But it has to go deeper than that. This experience isn't about just hearing a thing, just seeing a thing. This experience is about the knowledge of Jesus Christ impacting your human life, changing who you are and what you're about, and consistently, every day, God bringing His life and breath and revelation of who He is in our life. So I labor in this area of progressive manifestation. I preach now four sermons. This is the fifth, the first one. On this progressive manifestation, well, Jesus was a born in the manger. Jesus was a child. There he is. The angel said the Christ has been born, but he's just an infant. He hasn't progressed into life yet. He hasn't progressed into ministry yet. 
And so he is born, but we don't leave him there. And this is the problem with every Christmas. We're going back to there. And a lot of people are just staying there. That's just the starting point of Revelation. And if you stay there, you're always going to see him as a baby in a manger. And he was a baby in a manger. And, but yet he's not staying in that place. He will begin to grow. And now he progresses and grows, Luke 2.52. And, and he, be, he begins to put on and, and, and he begins to grow in stature and wisdom. And now he becomes a man. And now he is strong. He is working. He is vibrant. He is uh, working in his father's business, whether it's carpentry or brick lane. We don't know. He's an artisan, but we can't leave him there because he's going to the river Jordan and there he will be baptized and when he is baptized something supernatural is going to take place over the man that Jesus of Nazareth will now he goes in as Jesus of Nazareth but he comes out as Yeshua Hamashiach he is anointed now he is ready now for ministry he is progressing now and he will minister under the anointing and power which he has been given and that man Christ Jesus who is God and man fully God and man will minister like no other one has ever ministered never will a, a prophet have prophesied like him never will a healer like Elijah heal like he has done who has ever opened the eyes of the blind who has ever raised them out of the, the grave and out of the tomb who has ever walked on the water but this one that we adore this Christ this Savior this man manifested Jesus of Nazareth. And now we don't stop there. We can't stop at his ministry. His ministry was great. His ministry was phenomenal. His ministry was absolutely life-changing and world-changing. But we cannot stop there. He's got a destination. And if he doesn't get to the next destination, you and I are lost. You're not going to be, you're not going to be saved in miracles. You're not going to be saved in walking on water. You're not going to be saved in healing leprosy. He's going to the cross. And he will get to the cross. And at the cross, he will become the great sacrifice for sin. And we, we dealt with this last week that, that he becomes what the scripture calls the propitiation for our sin. Every one of us all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. But God has laid on him the sin of us all. And he will carry it to the cross. And he will nail it to the cross for us. Fantastic. Fantastic. We see him coming all the way up now from the manger. And now he dies on the cross. But we can't leave him there. I love him being born. I love him being baptized and anointed. I love him living that messianic ministry in life. And, and I love him that he died in my place, I deserved to die. And don't look at me this morning like you didn't. Every one of us deserved to die. 
Our sin offended God and we deserved a cross. We deserved a death. But Jesus, he took our place there. Jesus died in your place for your sin, not his. For your sin, he died in your place. And I thank God we will thank him for eternity for doing this for us. We can't leave him on the cross because his revelation keeps progressing and keeps progressing. And so I've got to talk about another step. We started in the book of Psalm. Who is the king of glory? I mean, if you look at David, and I'm going to guess that David wrote this psalm. I'm, I'm just, he was moved on by the power of prophetic revelation. The 22nd psalm, David spoke the very words that Jesus said on the cross. My God, my God, why have you left me in this place? And David somehow had a revelation of what would happen by the prophetic word of God. I believe we see it again in this 24th Psalm. Who is this king of glory? Is it David? Is he the king of glory? No, David knows it's beyond him. This, this has to do with something beyond just this life. Lift up your head, O ye gates, and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors. What are the everlasting doors? Well, I think to this point, the everlasting doors must, must be the gateway to something that is everlasting. Certainly wouldn't be here on earth. Everything here on earth, it lives a while and dies. It rises up and goes down. Everything on earth is temporary including governments, authorities, kingships. They're all temporary. They rise, then they fall. But there's something that is everlasting. And I believe the reference to this everlasting place is that place where the king of glory would come in. And so when we look at his death, Something is going to happen. Something is going to transpire. He is going to go further than the cross. And he's going to become the king of glory. We haven't talked about him as being king yet. No, as child, as minister, as propitiation for sin. But now another step. There's another thing that's going to be declared to the world and to you and I. We sang about it this morning. We always sing about it. Jesus, you are my king. So who is this king of glory? Who fits the bill? What is his name? Listen, if the Jewish rulers had known, Paul says this, if the Jewish system had known who it is, they would have never crucified the king of glory. And I like it. It uses that same phrase that it uses way back in Psalm 24. The king of glory. See, they mistook the name 
that is above all names. And they didn't understand what that name was about. They just thought it was just another name of another man. An imposter who called himself something that he was not. An imposter who made himself equal to God. And to them, Yeshua HaMashiach, to us, Jesus the Christ, meant absolutely nothing to them. But to us, who see him in another light, we know that he is everything to us. That his name, we sang about it over and over and over. And this morning, let me tell you who Jesus is. He is Yeshua HaMashiach. His name is above all names. That at the name of Jesus, come on church right there, that at the name of Jesus, at the name Yeshua, there is no other name important like if they had known, if they just had known who this Yeshua HaMashiach was, they certainly would not have crucified the King of Glory. Pontius Pilate says to Jesus, Are you really a king? Jesus paraphrasing, he says, you have said that I'm a king. In other words, he throws it back to Pilate to believe or disbelieve. But see, i got to tell you something. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would come and fight so I wouldn't be delivered to the Jews. Now, we know that Peter tried to do that, right? They came to get Jesus in the garden and he took a sword out and he chopped off a guy's ear. But Jesus strictly warned him, no, put your sword up. Because his servants aren't going to fight that he doesn't go to the cross. If my kingdom was about this world, there's a man that I know, and me just saying this, you'll probably realize who it is. He's mixed up with the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. Somehow he's in his, in his mind, he believes that God is going to raise up a kingdom in the earth. But Jesus plainly says, my kingdom is not of this world. It's not here. It never was intended to stay here. My kingdom comes without observation. You won't even see it come in. My kingdom is in the hearts of my people. And, and poor Pilate doesn't understand. He doesn't know what he knows. He knows the kingdom of Rome. He knows their power. He knows their armies. He knows his position. He knows his Caesar. And that's all he knows about kingdoms and kingship. But Jesus is not talking about controlling a certain part of the earth because his kingdom is not limited to any part of the earth. His kingdom is encompassing the whole earth. There are those that believe and are Christians here and they are on the other side, the bottom of the earth right now. And there are those that are east and west and countries everywhere that honor and know the Lord Jesus Christ. His kingdom isn't made up 
of certain individuals. His kingdom is not an American kingdom. His kingdom is not a white Caucasian kingdom. His kingdom is all peoples everywhere and everyone that believe, whosoever believeth on him comes into his kingdom. Are you really a king? Oh, I'm really a king, but, but not what you think of as a king. You say that I'm a king, but I was born for this. And for this cause, I have come into this world system, which he is about to exodus. But see how the revelation of Jesus escalates. In the manger, we don't see him there. Okay, he's born. He's Christ. There he is, King, King David's son. But now he's standing in a place where he is about to be crowned with glory. He will receive this glory through his death. Remember John 17, now has come the time that the Son of Man be glorified. Glorify thy name in the earth. And Jesus will be crowned. The crowning glory of his kingship is that he goes through death and he comes out of death, the one who reigns above all things. Now listen, even, even Philippians, it's the second chapter, it said, and because of this, God has given him a name which is above all names. See, if he doesn't go to the cross, he's not going to be the king. If he doesn't die the death, he's not going to be raised as the king. But because of this, he will keep progressing. There's not a chance. Hey, he despised the cross. He despised the shame. But for the joy that was set before him, he endured it all. He knew what it was about. And he wasn't looking forward to enjoying the cross. But on the other side of the cross, he will be crowned King of kings and Lord of lords forever and ever. He shall reign. Somebody say amen right there. You see, of the 158 New Testament kingdom references, none of them will come to pass until he dies the death of the cross. That's where we bring in this thief. Now, I don't know. He's, a, he's more than a thief. He's a criminal, possibly a murderer. A male factor. The gospel says that both of them, one was crucified on one side and one on the other, and they railed on him and mocked him and, and, and tried to poke fun at his power. But then the one suddenly realized something. Something hit his heart, and I don't know how, but I'm telling you what, the conviction of the Spirit of God hit your heart or you wouldn't be here this morning. Somehow you were going on your way and living your life and doing your thing. And then all of a sudden, something began to transpire in your life. And you began to see something different about this Lord Jesus Christ. This is what's happened to the man who was by him on the cross. And, and now he says an amazing thing. Lord, remember me 
when you come into your kingdom. He's not in his kingdom yet. But when you do get there, I don't know how the thief understood this, but I think he can see Jesus there dying. doesn't look like he's much of a king. They've got over him, titled in, 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 in Latin and in Greek and in Hebrew, here, here, this, this is the king of the Jews right here. And, and the man on the cross is looking at this. It doesn't look much like a king, but, but I believe something's going to happen and something's going to transpire. And it's not about here. It's not about, Lord, get us off of this. Get us off these crosses if you are really the Lord. No, it's, Lord, when you go through this thing and when you get to the other side of this thing and when the suffering is over and when the sorrow and misery is over, Lord, you're going to be crowned that king. And when you're crowned king, Lord, don't don't forget me, little lowly. I believe on you now, Jesus. And, and now remember me when you come into your kingdom. And I like Jesus' answer. Your Bible is going to say, you can look at your Bible, it's going to say, truly I say unto you. But it's really that word, amen. And if we all know what the word amen means, in the Greek and in the English, it just means so be it, which is truly. It's going to happen, so be it. Let it happen. Jesus looks at that, what that man just proclaimed, and he said, amen. That guy just got done preaching something that everybody out there didn't know. They couldn't see the progressive revelation of Jesus Christ on the cross. But here's a man that suddenly got struck by the Spirit and says to Jesus, remember me when? And Jesus said, amen. And then he continued, I say unto you, today. This is the day. Remember what we talked about last week in, in, in the psalm. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad. And that was concerning this death of the Lord. But it wasn't finished with the death. Today. It's still the day. This is the crowning day. This is the glory day. This is the inauguration day. This is the day that he will be crowned king of kings and lord of lords. He will be today. Remember me when? And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Lift up your head, O ye gates, and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors of paradise, and the King of glory will come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle, and every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Lift up those gates, and he's not coming in to that place as just another man who died in the faith. That paradise is full of men who have died in the faith. We can find them in the 11th chapter, 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews. Men that were looking for a promise and never found it. Men that held on to their faith even though they never saw it come to pass. Old prophets that had prophesied 
and brought the word of God who had been connected somehow to the progressive revelation spirit of prophecy and they had prophesied the coming of but they didn't see it and they're in a holding place and that place is called paradise. Can you imagine when they lifted up the gates and the king of glory came walking into that place? I want you to know they begin to shout. They begin to scream. They begin to yell Jesus is here. Here's the one that we prophesied. Who came through there? The Lord strong and mighty. That Lord mighty in battle. There he is. And he had with him a little old guy that that really was an outsider. He was really just a criminal guy. And Jesus took him with him and they, they came walking through the gate. Thank the Lord that you and I We were lost in our trespasses and sins. Come on, amen. And God took us by the hand and said, you're walking in this place with the king. You're going to walk with the king now. You're part of the family of God. You're not an old criminal anymore. You're not, a, you're not an old person that just lived after your own lust and desires anymore. But you've been called to a higher place. And the Lord's going to grab you by the hand and take you into the kingdom. And you're going to be part of his kingdom. Because that's just what he intended to do. Take those that were hurting and sinful and down and out and ugly and dirty. And wash them in his blood. Wash them in the cross and bring them into his glorious kingdom. Amen. Amen. Are we having a good time yet? Say amen. Now we can realize what the ancient prophet Isaiah saw. I saw the Lord seated on a throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. If he's referring to the same king, then he's not referring to I got a glimpse of heaven. He's referring to I got a glimpse of prophetic revelation. Everybody follow me with that. He's not saying, I got to look into heaven. That's not what he's saying here. He got to look into prophetic revelation. The same as David did. The same as some of the other ancient prophets did. And he said, I saw the Lord. Not up here in heaven. I saw the Lord. The Lord, the king. king." And he uses that same, same term. The king of glory. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And he said an interesting thing. He said, and his train filled the temple. Now, you know what a train is. Most of you uh, that have anything to do with wedding dresses, some here that hem those and, and all of us, you know, buy them. So, And they have that that train. Now, some of them I've seen go way down the aisle, you know. And there's been, I've, I've done a lot of ceremonies, and sometimes I've had to tell them, now, now be careful when you turn, you know, because that, that train, you hook that high heel in that train, you're going down. And so be careful. But 
that train was back there. Beautiful, you know. And the picture here isn't just, it isn't just that, that the kingly robe that Jesus was adorned with now had a long train behind it and it filled the temple. No, I think it's referring to something different. I think, I think it's referring to the moment, to the time, to the instant which Jesus died in which the veil which covered, that was the train of an old covenant. That was the train of an old temple and that was the covering of an old temple. But I want you to know that that thing is torn in half and it's done. But the train of the new king filled the temple. Listen, we're not in an old system anymore. We're not in an old covenant anymore. We've got a Lord, a Christ who is brand new in his temple called the church. And you would and I are adorned because his train fills the temple. It's not your goodness. It's not what you've done. It's his train, his glory that fills the temple of God. It fills the church. We are filled with the glory of God by his train. Thank you, Isaiah, that you were willing to look ahead and see some things that, that maybe some other people didn't want to see. The Jewish order did not want to see the progressive revelation of Jesus Christ. The Jews wanted to stay with Moses in the law. They didn't want Christ. We'll throw him out. We'll cast him out. Like I said last week, out of, the, out of the Sanhedrin, that hall of hewn stones, they cast out the cornerstone and didn't even know it. But God has put him in place. Can you say amen? And the order of his kingdom was set in place. The Lord, regardless of what people think and preach in this hour, it's just everybody's got, you know, it's, it's opinions, you know, opinions. And I'm not going to say, you probably all know the statement, you know. Everybody has a certain body part, you know, but, but, uh, don't show it. It's like opinions, you know. Everybody's got opinions. Don't show them. Your belly's not pretty anyway, right? Just leave it covered. Opinions about the scripture are worth zero. A thus saith the Lord is what counts. It's not what you think about what thus saith the Lord that counts. It just stands all on its own. And in this time, there's been so much disorder in the kingdom of God. Brother Aaron and I were talking the other night and about a certain subject and some of the things that we saw when we were raised and young and small and happened to be, you know, in, in Pentecostal movement and and uh, somebody said, are you Pentecostal? And, 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 and I, I would have to answer that, yes, I'm Pentecostal, but only, only according to the Spirit of the Lord, not according to what men have put in disorder in the church. I mean, I grew up in an age when, when if you were kicking holes in the wall, the Spirit of God was on you, man. They're just laying their hands, blessing and just smashing stuff and breaking things. There's, there's an order in God's kingdom. Can somebody say Amen. Um, I'm all about celebrating. I'm all about, you know, when, when, when my team went, my team, 
uh, happened to be, what was it yesterday? My team was who's ever against Ohio State. And my team won. Well, I'm not connected to them at all. You know, just it's ridiculous. You know, hey, yeah, well, you know, I'm celebrating. No, well, I'll tell you something. It's not wrong to celebrate the kingdom of God. But there's a time and a place and an order. God's kingdom is orderly. The one guy said in the big revival down there, he said, do anything. As long as you didn't think of it, do anything and it'll be praise. No, it'll be stupidity is what it'll be. He jumped out from behind that piano and did a forward flip. It was amazing. Big guy. And that was supposed to be praise. Can I get a time out on that, please? God has an order in which he runs his kingdom. You think that, that there are no rules in the kingdom of God? There's no way. That's the big thing. You know, God, he just, it's love. He doesn't have rules. It's just love. It just, God just loves. And that's, that's no, I, you're not reading the same Bible that we're all reading here. There's some things that God set in place. Let me touch on them a little bit about being in the kingdom of God. First of all, this Lord, King of glory, has absolute, unquestioned authority. No one has the right to question him. He does what he does. He is sovereign in everything. The next thing is, the term of his reign. Well, being he wasn't voted in, he can't be voted out. And beings, he came into this thing by his own will and produced it, and it's his kingdom. He is both the founder, he's the author and the finisher. He's the creator, and he's the one who keeps it going. He is the archegon. His government will not come to an end ever. And I love it. I'm looking for some governments to come to an end. I'm hoping they come to an end. But in him, his government shall never, of the increase and the peace of his government, it shall never come to an end. I want to serve the one who's got the everlasting government. I want to serve the one who is Lord over all the lords and the king. He is king over all the kings and administrations of this earth. Well, what's the criteria of legal citizenship in the kingdom? What's the criteria? Well, I'm wondering how you become a legal citizen of this country. You come up through the borders, and they let you in and give you some money. Now you're a citizen. You can vote. You can drive a car. You can do everything. Isn't it beautiful? Not the kingdom of the Lord. There is criteria. I just want to join the kingdom of the Lord. No, no, you're not welcome. Well, I come from a far country and, you know, huddled masses and, and, and all the downtrodden people, I'm one of them, and I just want to be part, you know, of the kingdom. No, 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 no. You must be born again. I'm sorry, there's no exceptions. There is no amnesty. There's been a lot of people hanging around in the church waiting for amnesty, and it's not coming. You must be born again. You're not in the kingdom until you're born again. Nicodemus, you must be born again. 
You can't even see the kingdom of God. If you're not born again, you don't even get to look into it. You must be born again. And that goes for the early church. It goes all through the ages, the dark ages, the crummy things that happened, the persecution, all the troubles. It's still the same criteria. There's only one, one example given to us. That's it, period. And that is you must be born again. If you're here this morning and you're not born again, you're not in the kingdom. Well, that goes over good. Well, in this place, it does go over good. We, we believe that. Well, I hate to say that this gospel isn't to those who love God. No, 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 no. No, misnomer. No, I just, I'm just in there on God's love. Just God, just love and grace and goodies, and, and it's just wonderful. He just loved. No, you must be born from above. Let's go to the third thing about his kingdom. The propagation of his gospel. One of the things that he said, he said that this gospel must be preached to the nations. But not only this gospel, but the gospel of this kingdom must be preached to the nations because it's not exclusive to us. And we don't get to have it. I said this just a few minutes ago. We don't get to have it because we're of a certain ethnicity, because, because we are, you know, privileged people or whatever you want to call it. There is just one thing, and that is this gospel of the kingdom. It must be preached worldwide. And then whosoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Can you say amen? He set up a cabinet of ministry. Well, that's pretty weird. I mean, our administrations set up cabinets. I was, we, we were looking the other day at uh, just a, well, just one figure who they set up in uh, the cabinet here, this administration. This person can't figure out whether he's a man or a very, 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 very ugly woman. Can't figure it out. What a mess. There's some stuff in the current administration. I don't want to pick it. There has been in the past too, but there's some stuff. You look at the cabinet members, you say, what, what are we doing? These people are communists. These people, these people hate capitalism. They hate freedom. What are they doing in our government? It's an ugly cabinet. But Jesus set up the most beautiful cabinet. You can find it in Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Before he ascended on high, and I'm going to give that away because there's another progressive revelation we'll talk about next week. But before he ascended on high, he gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers and pastors. And why did he set them up? He didn't set them up so they would be worshipped. He didn't set them up so they would have a name tag and be somebody in the church. But he set them up so that this organization of the kingdom would go forward and that Jesus would be preached. He never intended for people to call themselves apostles who do not preach the revelation of Jesus Christ. He did not intend for there to be prophets who would prophesy about end times but don't prophesy about the Lord 
Lord Jesus Christ and what he's doing and what he's doing in his church. He never intended for there to be teachers who would teach everything but Jesus Christ. He never intended for there to be pastors who wouldn't boldly stand and take the mic for the shepherd of the flock and say to that flock, there's only one hope for you and it's not me. It's not even this church. It's the Lord Jesus Christ and keep it faithful in the house of God. That's how he set it up. He set up his kingdom to work. He set it up so that it would flourish. He set it up so that 2,000 years later, can you imagine? There's been some kingdoms that have lasted for a few hundred years. The Roman Empire lasted for quite a while. There's been some kings that, that have stood in, in, in different places of the earth and dynasties. But none of them have reached the level of 2,000 years and just getting started. None of them have reached that 2,000 years. We have the same Christ. We have the same gospel. We have the same mission. We have the same born again experience as they did in the early church. The beginnings of this thing are still going on if apostles and prophets, evangelists, teachers and preachers and pastors do what they were sent to do. What about our borders and checkpoints? I think every conservative believes this. I just heard it again the other day. No country is a country without borders. No country is a border or a country without borders. It defines who we are. Not everybody belongs. I hate to break the news to you, but a lot of people are going to hell. A lot of people want to go to hell. And most people are going to get there. The only people who are not going to hell are those who are safely in the kingdom. I know that's really not very popular. Love, Pastor Love. It is love. God commended his love towards us. Wow. While we were yet sinners, dirty, undeserving, we can look back to the cross and Christ died for us. This is the love of God. He's not passive about who's in his kingdom. He's not passive about his borders. He's not opening his arms and saying, everybody just come running in. No, there is that criteria, but to get into this kingdom, man, it's borders God is not allowing sin in his kingdom. He's not allowing debauchery in his kingdom. It doesn't matter what modern day preachers are preaching. God has kept his kingdom holy. It's a holy kingdom. It's a righteous kingdom. It's a kingdom that fears God. It's a kingdom that lives after the scripture and, and abides in the Lord. And so it's always about expelling that which is wrong and bringing that which is righteous. He is the king of righteousness. Not just a king that everybody's included. Hey, you know, we're here and everybody's Americans. At least we think we are. Your vote counts. Oh, really? <laughs> okay, I'll be really watching that next time. All inclusive. Doesn't matter who you are, where you're from. Blah, blah, blah. Not the Lord's kingdom. And, and let me tell you one thing. There's only, out of all of his borders, 
There's only one entrance. Just one. And not like it's the crowd is, is going there anyway. He said, great crowds are going to the Broadway. How many are finding his way? Well, a few. A few here and a few there. So it's not like, you know, well, he's got to have this big entourage sitting at the gate, keeping those in, keeping those out. But Jesus said it this way, I am the door. No one comes proston patera. No one can even get to God. It's not even possible that you can go around him and get to God because he is God. Wow. Let me just say the last thing. It's time to close. I'm sweating and you're sweating somewhere. And uh, let me just bring in kind of my last thought. Jesus will be worshipped in this kingdom. Pastor, what do I worship? I don't know what to worship. You know, I don't even know how to pray. I don't know who to pray to. I don't know who do I pray to. The Holy Spirit, do I pray? What? If I pray, Father, 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 what do I pray? How, how am I going to do this? There's only one name, folks. There's just one name given among men. All worship, honor, and praise are due to him. The lamb that was slain. The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That one who was and is and is to come. Progressive revelation. Whether you know him like you should know him or not, you stay on this road of worshiping him. Don't go to other worship. I mean, we've got it all around us in this valley. This whole valley is filled with religious people everywhere. They're flying in here from all over the world, and they look like the devil. And the Lord says, you're going to worship one thing. You're going to worship the king. He deserves the glory. Can you say amen? He deserves the honor. He deserves the glory. He deserves all our praise. The sixth Timothy two eleven, Tom Debbie, if you'd come and the musicians. Second Timothy two eleven, faithful is the logos of God. Listen, listen to this. For if we died with him. This scripture is not talking about being martyrs. This scripture is talking about Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And this life which I live now in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me for if we died with him we shall also live with him and if we remain under him we shall also reign with him that means he's reigning and he's reigning right now 
He's not waiting for some time, you know. John Darby's got him back out of uh, some millennium somewhere where he's going to reign. He's reigning right now. A rugged cross became his throne. His kingdom was in hearts alone. He rode his love in crimson red and wore the thorns upon his head. He is reigning right now. Jesus is king. Jesus is king. Oh, this is a great song. This is a great song right here.